0: This is Greg Lazinski and you're listening to Baseball BBQ.
1: Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Music Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on
2: Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is... After I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it
0: away. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight,
2: a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance,
0: of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into.
2: The
1: baseball and barbecue zone. <laughs> and that is Len Abraman. And you are. Jeff Cohen.
2: And once again, we are so excited to be back with you for another episode, episode number 43. 43, yes. Of Baseball and BBQ. And we have a show for you. Why don't you tell us about it? I'm going to, but I'm going to tell you first, before we do, all right, and tell you what we've got coming up, I want to ask you guys a favor, all right? If you're listening to this podcast right now at this moment, you're a listener, hopefully, or you just happen to wander upon us, but all we need you to do is tell a friend. Tell your friends!
1: (laughs) Tell your friends! Tell your friends!
2: We need you to tell your friends. Tell even one person. You know what? Why
1: don't you just leave a review or uh, give us a rating on on iTunes? That works, too. Apple Podcasts or whatever they call it these days. We want more listeners. All right? That's all we ask of you.
2: We don't charge you for this. All right? If you don't get listeners, we're going to start charging you for this. All Uh, right? I don't think we can do that. Well, please help us out. All right? All right. That's enough said. Now, on to the show. Okay. All right, so tonight we have a couple of things. Well, we have many things. Okay, first of all, we have on Dave Marks. Dave Marks of Operation Barbecue Relief. Right. And an incredible effort that they do. If you don't know about them, we did have somebody from Operation Barbecue Relief On one of our episodes where we spoke about, uh, we did a road trip to Atlantic City. What what episode was that? That
1: was uh, about 10 episodes ago
2: or so. Okay, and that was great, and he does great work, and he's also involved with uh, Famous Dave's Barbecue. Famous Dave's Barbecue. And Jeff took a road trip, or a flight, to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And he saw the Mets and the Reds play. Yes, I did. He did some interviews with, uh, it was man on the street interviews. Yeah, <laughs> man on the street, exactly. So we've got that. And we're also going to talk about uh, a barbecue recipe from another uh, land. We'll get to that. I think we should also take a look at a Hall of Famer of the Day. Hall of Famer of the Day. All right. You know what? Just keep listening and you never know what's coming up.
1: Right, but you know, before we do, why don't you tell us where we're going in a couple of weeks. Oh
2: yeah, that's what I wanted to tell you guys. In a couple of weeks, we are going to the Monolith Grill Fest. It is sponsored by BBQ Guru. It is the, let's get it exactly right, alright, what is it called? It's the Monolith Monster, Monster Fest. Fest. Saturday, October 12th, 2019, in Warminster, Pennsylvania. Guys, our friend Lisa Joe Getter, who was on the show last time, two weeks ago, she was on the show, told you all about it. She promised a really good time. Lisa Joe will not disappoint. She put together an amazing event. Spend the day. You can you if you are a barbecue team, get in touch with them, and you can cook. If you're not, and you're just a fan of barbecue, go to the event. We'll be there. We'll sign autographs, Jeff. Oh, yeah. We'll sign the okay. autographs, sure. I hope we are. It'll, it'll be worth something one day. Yeah. I hope our hands don't cramp up and from probably, signing yeah, all those autographs. It'll be a long line for <laughs> that. Yes. But we will. We will take pictures, and we will sign autographs. We may just be taking pictures of ourselves for ourselves. they will be selfies. <laughs> right. And if you're interested, you could also get a great deal on these monolith uh, barbecues, They've got the BBQ, temp- BBQ Guru temperature control in them. They are beautiful grills. They're Kamado grills, and you will save $400. You just will buy one that's been used once by the cooks, so that's seasoned. It'll be
1: right. seasoned for you, and you'll take it right home. Right. Just go to BBQGuru.com and go click on the Monolith Monster Fest link, and you'll you'll see all the details. Yes, and Jeff, I've decided uh, not that you asked me,
2: but I think that's what I want for my birthday. I want one of these mon- monoliths. Okay. The, yeah, so yeah. get in touch with Lisa Joe. Put the deposit down. It's a $100 uh-huh. deposit. I would really appreciate it if you'd get me one.
1: Absolutely. First off, I'll have to get your right wife's permission. Okay. <laughs> with that,
2: yes,
1: we're going to play our interview with Dave Marks. Guys, Dave Marks, you're going to like it.
2: Our guest is a, a very successful businessman and winning competitive barbecue cook. That would be quite enough to keep most people busy. But he takes it a step further and gives back to those in need. People whose lives have just been severely altered due to natural disasters and who desperately need compassion and a helping hand, which in this case comes in the form of a wonderfully delicious hot meal. As chief marketing officer and past COO of Operation Barbecue Relief, that is just what he does. By him being here as our guest, you can breathe a small sigh of relief that things in this part of the world must be okay for now. Otherwise, he would probably be somewhere else, helping out others. Baseball and Barbecue is honored to welcome David Marks as our guest. David, welcome to Baseball and BBQ. Thank you for having me, and wow, what an introduction. Thank you very much, Um, very humbly. You're, you're very welcome. We'll, we'll talk about all your work with Operation Barbecue Relief. But first, I, I just want to, uh, we, we did some, uh, we, we had a week, so we got to do some stalking on the internet. Oh. <laughs> we, I mean, it's research, but I like to call it stalking.
3: Yeah, but my, my
2: younger kids would call it trolling, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you are quite a successful co- competitive barbecue cook.
3: I've, I've definitely had uh, uh, some some uh, lucky tables, to say the least, in my life. That's true.
2: And now the uh, the Royals coming up, the American Royals coming up
3: this weekend, right? That is true. Are you going to be competing? So I am actually not going to be at the Royal this year. This is really interesting. I, I got into competitive barbecue because I thought it was a market as a marketing idea. I fell in love. With competitive barbecue and, and truly the barbecue lifestyle, which kind of steered me to Operation Barbecue Relief, and, and and I guess at the end of the day, if I really tell you my my answer to that to, to why I'm not going to be at the American Royal, and I, I guess I can tell you my answer to that by my behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm on the road five out of the uh, out of the present six weeks that I'm kind of running this uh, six week period. And uh, four of the five, I'm out of town on Operation Barbecue uh business. And, and ultimately, uh, I could have been at the Royal. I was asked to be at the Royal. I could have been cooking for Seaboard Foods, a private party at the Royal, and certainly could have cooked uh, the competition at the Royal. But I needed a weekend home with my family. So, so truthfully, uh, I'm not going because I just needed a little bit of a break. However, what an incredible experience the Royal is. Uh, I have definitely had some great success at the American Royal, and and I miss I will miss not being there with my barbecue family to say the least. Yeah, the from everything that we've heard and
2: talking to all the competitive cooks, it's you form these friendships and these bonds, and you see everybody at these competitions, and it really is it's a very warm and welcoming community.
3: It's unbelievable. I mean. So many friends, so many people, so many people I can count on uh, are all there, you know, just really an amazing, amazing experience, you know, since we are talking uh, barbecue and and winning and bragging and and all those things, I mean, I I have had some... Several top 10 finishes over there uh, in, in different categories at the Invitational. I have uh, had some really good finishes over there. When you think about who you're competing against across the country, across the world, just a humbling experience to be uh, amongst, you know, in the, in, in the open upwards of 600 uh, amazing teams and the invitational upwards of 150 just just an incredible experience and anytime you hear your name called at at the jack at the royal at any of those events i mean just just humbling and happy and and i and i am fortunate uh i I don't know if you guys know this but the royal outside of a first place uh they give ribbons you don't give trophies and and you know sometimes people ask me like what is your favorite trophy and two of my favorite trophies aren't really a trophy they're ribbons you know really just an amazing amazing experience uh sad I won't be there but uh you know at
1: this point I I I had to choose to to be home for a weekend what what when you do go to these events obviously there's the staple dishes the pork and the and the and the chicken and the and brisket which one is gives you the most I guess the, the most joy in cooking Uh, For barbecue. That's a great question. You know, everybody's kind of got their thing. Uh, I I love the bigger meats. I love the pork. I love the brisket. If you made me choose between two of my children, I would have to (laughs) say
3: that it's brisket for me. I I love cooking brisket. Uh, I I love you know what I do to a brisket, and and I think kind of it's the endurance. It's the endurance meat. It's the, not only is there finesse to this, but it's, can you manage that fire for 12, 15, 16 hours, whatever it is that your cook takes, you know? Can you manage that fire? Can, can you, you know, really put that love into that meat? It's a big piece of meat. you got to get flavor down into the meat uh, as, as much as uh, taking care of it from uh, the delicate part of it, you know, the imparting smoke without without getting you know, creosote and, and, and bitter uh, taste to it, but at the same time getting enough smoke into it, getting the flavors, the rubs down into it, layering your flavors. Uh, I, I just think there's so much to brisket and it cooks for so long
2: that so many different things can go wrong and to be able to cook it with as close as you could ever get perfection is just, it, it, it's my favorite piece of meat, for sure. Yeah, and, and also I think most people in barbecue would agree it's the toughest the hardest meat to cook. It, there is no doubt about it. I mean just for so many reasons it's, the, it's one of the toughest cuts of meat from from the cow, you know, and again just kind of go back
3: to the amount of time it takes, the finesse it takes but, you know a lot of people don't have the endurance. You know, you have to keep focus for a long time. And, and you know a lot of people have the ability to focus at short short periods of time short first. great
2: brisket cooks know how to focus their energy it's more like a marathon than a sprint now Dave you have a love of barbecue obviously as we all do where did that come from how did it start you know was was your dad a barbecue what's what's the history with how how you started
3: and how you came to barbecue so, so, I'll take you to barbecue in a minute, but I'll tell you where my love of cooking started. Uh, at a young age, uh, having, two, uh, having two grandmothers, both Jewish, I'm Jewish, so I had that heritage cooking. Uh, I had two very different grandmothers. Uh, one was very cheap. She could make... She could make 16 meatballs out of a pound of meat. Um, you know, she could fill it with a million things and, 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 and you know, she could stretch a dollar. And then I had another, my other grandmother was, It was, was all about quality and quality ingredients that you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, if you will. And, um, you know, she really was all about ingredients, but both really taught me about kind of blending flavors and, and different ways to do things. And I learned it really early. My parents tell stories of me being four years old. Uh, literally, like, getting up, being the first one up, and cooking breakfast for the family. So I always had this desire to cook. And it's not just cooking, but it's desire to cook for somebody else. So, you know, when you feed somebody, you're giving them, you're giving it to them. Uh, when you break bread with somebody, it's one thing. When you cook the meal to break bread with, it's another. So uh, for me, you know, I always, it started early from from both my grandmothers. Um, From there, I was in the restaurant business, my father was in the restaurant business, my grandfather was in the restaurant business. So I come from a long line of of restaurateurs, but but barbecue really, I I backed into it. I uh, worked for uh, TGI Fridays for many, many years, Uh, started as an entry-level manager, and worked my way up to uh, director. And at one point, I managed, like, $360 million worth of business uh, across the Southeast. And um, never thought I was going to leave that job. And then one day, I had the opportunity to become a franchisee at Famous Dave's Barbecue. Uh, at the time, there might have been, like, there were less than 20 restaurants open at the time. And I was like, wow, what a great opportunity. And uh, an old boss of mine told me, like, this is everything you're, like, prepared you for. Go do this. And I, uh, you know, uh, levered, uh, you know, everything I had, uh, signed, you know, my house with a personal guarantee and everything I owned. And, and I went to the restaurant business for barbecue. And then uh, several years into it, this whole pitmaster show thing started. And, you know, the, not that bar competitive barbecue hadn't been going on for long years, for many years, between Pat Burke and... And, 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 and Mike from 17th Street and all these guys who've been out there doing it for a long time, you know, the, the Bastions, the, the barbecue, have been doing it for a long time. But for me, like, this, I could feel this movement, a real change. And, and just to be, you know, clear with you, like, I always had some little test. The name of my company is Pitmasters. And, and, and I, my company's been around for 18 years, longer than that show's been around. So I always kind of had, like, something about this. Uh, is important, Um, but as I I started into competitive barbecue as a marketing ploy, I I realized, like, these are my people. This is my tribe. Um, This is where I'm supposed to be, and, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and I just... I just fell into this thing, and it started in competitive barbecue, and and I don't want to say I've won everything, because I haven't won everything. I've been to all the big contests, I've been invited to all the big contests, and I've done, you know, very well for a guy who never cooked more than, like, 13 contests a year. I, I just fell into this, you know, next step outside of competitive barbecue, and just helping people. So, the family's been amazing, and you know, I, I love this competition stuff, and I've only done one this year. I've done one uh, KCBS contest, and I have done two SBA contests, and I'm hopeful I'm going to get one or two more contests in, but if I don't, I know I'm going to be involved uh, in, in helping uh, serve the one hot field that matters, Operation Barbecue Relief. You know, We can get into that later. So... Competitive barbecue is, is really, you know, what got me into this new love, but it's all about the barbecue family for me.
2: Well, I want to, you mentioned Operation Barbecue Relief. As I said in the intro, you are able to take this love of barbecue, what you do as a, as a career, you know, uh, as a franchisee for, for Famous Dave's, which I want to talk to you about, but I want to make sure that we focus on, a lot of attention on what's probably, maybe not monetarily, but what you do with Operation Barbecue Relief has got to be one of the most important things. So please, tell us about Operation Barbecue Relief and don't leave any details out. Right.
3: <laughs> All right. To do that. So I'll start off a little bit and tell you about my story to Operation Barbecue Relief. And, okay. And, and it'll take me back to a little bit of competitive barbecue, and I know you guys like that too. So Sure. In 2012, um, you know, I, I fought my way through the uh, Sam's Club knife fight in a uh, in a telephone booth, and I made it all the way to Bentonville for the national championship. I drove my box truck and, and smoker all the way out to Bentonville, Arkansas from outside of Philadelphia. Two-day trip to get there. Biggest contest I ever competed in my life at that point in time, and... I get there and I'm just focused on this contest and uh, there's a a really bad storm came through and and I'm from the East Coast. I've never seen 70 mile straight line winds. I don't know if you guys ever seen it, but that Midwest wind stuff, like it was tearing me and all the Midwest people were laughing uh, because everybody else had not seen that before and were kind of freaking out. But uh, I was under in a pavilion And Stan Hayes, the co-founder of Operation Barbecue Relief, came up and started talking to me. Now, Stan kind of knew a little bit about me. I guess he was vetted everybody out, and Operation Barbecue Relief was pretty young at that time. And he asked me why I wasn't involved in Operation Barbecue Relief and how come I wasn't, you know, volunteering and helping and... Well, he was kind of getting a little heated and yelling, and I was like, I don't even know who you are. I don't know why you're yelling at me, but clearly you're passionate about this thing. That I, I clearly understand. So how about we go finish this contest? Because this is my first. Have you been here before? Like, he hadn't been there. You know, this is his biggest do. And, uh, you know, and, and we'll call, call each other when this thing is over. Um, I did... Um, I did really well in parts of that contest, by the way, and not so well in others, but uh, I did win Tyson's Best Wings on the Planet uh, at that contest, which uh, was the national championships for the Tyson's Best Wings on the Planet contest. So that was really awesome. Uh, I also did win that at the World Food Championships as well. So that does give me my first national and world title. Uh, it, it, It is in chicken wings. Uh, but I'll take it, and, and I'm certainly proud of that, to, to say the least. Two weeks later, or a few weeks later after that, um, Hurricane Sandy came barreling up the East Coast, and I got up uh, the next morning, and my house was fine, even though there was damage in my neighborhood. I kind of got up and said, okay, I told my wife I'm going to go run and check the restaurants, and I went to all my restaurants, and even though there were pylon signs down and big shopping centers and whole signs down and people had lots of damage as you folks know on the east coast. Right. Um, yeah. every every one of my restaurants was fine. It was weird. It was really weird that everything was fine. Like I had I had six restaurants and, and nothing was uh, damaged and I mean not even like a tent on an air conditioner unit. I went up, you know, all the on top all the roofs check everything and I was I was stainless in the deal and it was it was kind of like uh, you know, this aha moment was like, well, I guess that means I'm supposed to go help others. And I, I, call, I contacted Stan, and he was like, I was getting ready to call you, and I said, how can I help? And a couple days later, I had thrown together about, I had one of my restaurants cook pork overnight, so I loaded up with about 2,000 pounds of pork cooked. I had another 2,000 pounds of pork raw. I have a truck that has hot and cold holding capabilities. I my uh, Southern Pride uh, on a trailer down to Brick, New Jersey and said, let's get going. And we just started knocking out meals. And it was just the most incredible experience of my life outside of, you know, uh, my, my wife, my family, my kids. Just, it really was like this moment in time where it's like, this is what you were meant to do. I saw people show up trying to get food that were in like a beat up Hyundai. And people showed up trying to get food in a brand new Mercedes, you know, 550 SEL. The great equalizer, Mother Nature, mm-hmm. didn't care. And, and these people, can you imagine, guys, what, what it would take for you to have to go wait in line to get a free pork sandwich? No. You know, like, right. to, you know, just, you know take a hand out, a hand up, like, imagine where you have to be in your life. And these are not you know like people with means, people without means. It doesn't matter. And you know when I saw that, and I was part of that, and and there are so many great barbecue folks who were there alongside of me. I wasn't there by myself. I mean, you know, over over a matter of seven eight days, we cooked a hundred thousand meals. I met Rob Marion for the first time. I don't know if you know who he is. I, I met Rich who was like you know kind of one of those grandfathers of barbecue you know I, I, just you know people like oh my god do you know who you got pictures with and I was like I don't know it's rich and I've been cooking for three days together like <laughs> it's rich definitely right. and I was like I didn't even know who it was. But, you know, like, I, I can call Rich right now. I mean, I made forever long-lasting relationships
0: with these people. Right. Um, cooked alongside of them. We all gave from our hearts,
3: servants' hearts, just trying to help people who were in need. You know, and it, it was just, just an incredible experience. And, and I have, from there, just been involved, um, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper uh, into this thing. You know, I have been involved in serving I don't know how many countless, at this point, well over, personally, well over a million of those meals I have had my hands on in one way, shape, or form, personally, you know, on-site, you know, Hurricane Michael, you know, kind of fast forward where, you know, we went from being this team of people who just everybody brought their own smoker, you know, and there was a point in time you could be at an early deployment and people had like their Weber bullets, and it was almost like side-by-side child play, if you will, like I'm going to cook some pork butt. you cook some pork butt. if we all have our food ready at 8 o'clock, we can start boxing it up, and we can start on the next round of food, you know, to go out for dinner, you know, so when I show up with a commercial smoker on a trailer, and there's a couple of them, I'm like, holy moly, look what we can do, you know, you know, fast forward now, we've got these amazing sponsors who have purchased equipment, old hickory pits, who's provided us with countless commercial smokers. Right now we have uh, a smoker trailer that we call Boss Hog. It has five commercial ELEDXs on it, a 56,000-watt generator, and a storage uh, container on the back. That thing alone can serve 30,000 meals by itself. Wow. A day. You know, we we were donated by Seaboard Foods a used... NASCAR toy hauler. One of the greatest things about OBR is our volunteers. We have volunteers for all walks of life. Mm-hmm. We, we had a group of a team who stripped that trailer. Now, this is a NASCAR toy hauler. This is like a professional NASCAR toy hauler that used to take three NASCARs around the country to, to, to compete in races and, and the like. They stripped this thing down to the bare bones, rebuilt it into a command center for us. It's got satellite hookups, it's got, you know, uh, a, a conference operations center, it can haul all of our kitchen needs and equipment outside of our smokers, and if we had to, we could sleep, you know, a bunch of people and it. it, wouldn't be the most comfortable, but we could sleep a bunch of people in it, Why well, I'd say a bunch. We could probably see 20 people in if we had to. Wow, that's that, that, uh, that's something. That's, I mean, so, yeah. so now we roll in, you know, uh, fast forward, you know, you go to, like, Hurricane Michael or Hurricane Florence, which both happened last year, you know, and the, our ability to ramp up productivity through the use of this kind of equipment, you know, you get 100 volunteers, you know, we're running around like, like, like a, a full-blown, you know, facility that we've, Pop up with a you know in a parking lot. We've cooked over fifty five thousand meals in a day last year. Mm. Something like seven or eight days. Yeah, you you guys just
1: don't go and, and serve and leave. You're there for the, the entire the duration. Duration.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just we're not a we're not we're not a long term. Uh, Peter, like, we're not going to be there. You know, there's still people helping in Hurricane Michael today. Mm -hmm. But we're that stopgap between, holy shit, what happened here, and, okay, the government and others are starting to get it figured out. Right. We're that stopgap in between. So Hurricane Michael, we did our longest deployment we ever did. We were there for 30 days. Wow. To kind of fast-forward into uh, this current deployment right now with... We actually will be airlifting our first ever international meal to, uh, tomorrow to, to Freeport, Bahamas. To ha- Bahamas.
2: Okay, so yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, I know that you're you're you know in the United States, but I didn't know what your international exposure was.
3: Yeah, t- tomorrow. Yeah. We'll, tomorrow, Operation Barbecue Relief becomes an international disaster hmm. recovery uh, organization. It will be historic for us.
2: Fantastic. Now, now, you have all the... So, you have a now a ton of equipment, the smokers. I see the, the, you know, the pictures of the, you know, the trailer, the rig, all that. That, of course, you can store wherever you store that because, you know, that doesn't have an expiration date. But food, when when a disaster happens and you need to get all this meat, you know, all this food... Where do you get that from? Where where are you storing that? I mean, how is that... How do you get that quick enough?
3: So I'm going to I'm gonna lay this out for you because I'm going to show you how amazing our barbecue world is. I'm going to start off with Seaboard Foods. Seaboard Foods, who is Prairie Fresh, they also own Butterball, but uh, Prairie Fresh, who is the second largest pork producer in the country, will shut down their lines in production, and they will send us everything we need. We, we will start receiving refrigerated tractor trailers from them, starting as soon as they can get them to us. Now, we do keep some, of, we do keep some product frozen, and, and we, you know, we do have some frozen storage, but we have some of that stuff to get us going. Butterball does the same thing. Butterball is sending us uh, uh, turkey breast, and they also send us a turkey loaf product that they have, which is awesome. It's kind of like a ground uh, dark meat, fine uh, meat that they ground up, and it is amazing. And we actually cook, cook it as a meatloaf, and we also uh, turn it into a kind of a one-pot meal with rice and, and other vegetables, which is delicious. I actually love eating it. Then, you know, so those, those two companies, like, I mean, if I could tell you how many hundreds of thousands of pounds that they have donated to us a year, you would astonish you. And it is the core how we get it done. Then there's also a little barbecue company called Smoking Dudes, which is uh, located outside of Philadelphia. And I actually was with those guys today for a little bit. They actually have a FDA food-producing uh, business. And they have produced for us, for this, uh, for this disaster, I think we have something like 40,000 meals worth of pre-cooked pork that has OBR's rub on it, uh, you know, OBR's recipe, and they, they're a smokehouse uh, that's FDA approved. So we actually have, they cook for us, no charge. They cook it, they cryovac it, they freeze it, they box it, they label it. They store it. It was picked up about a week ago from their from their container storage outside of Philadelphia and put in our possession, and uh, we will use that as either fillers or startup meals to get things going. 40,000 pre-cooked, ready-to-go, but professionally smoked meat wow. to start wow. off a disaster. Uh, amazing organizations
2: helping us make that happen. For, for our listeners, Dave... If they want to get involved, whether it's donations or volunteering, uh, what's the best thing for them to do to look into it? So, so right off the bat,
3: uh, www.obr.org. It's pretty easy, obr.org. Uh, right on the front page, uh, you can click the Donate button. Uh, you can click the Volunteer Now button. There's some great uh, videos. There's Plenty of information about us. Um, from a financial transparency standpoint, uh, we file our 990s, which is a, a nonprofit charity's version of their tax returns. We file our tax returns are available for you for you and anybody else to see. We are good stewards of uh, people's donated monies. We wouldn't have sponsors like Blue Rhino, Yeti, Kingsford, Clorox. Uh, we wouldn't have sponsors like Lowe's if we were uh, taking really good care of, of uh, their monies and, and making sure that it goes in the right place. Anyway, uh, on that website, you can register as a volunteer. You can donate. If you donate through that, there, you know, there are no handling fees, no nothing that goes directly to us. If you're a text-to-donate kind of person, you can text OBR to 41444 and it will flip you a link to donate on. Both are very safe ways to do it. And then if you're really serious about uh, volunteering for Operation Barbecue Relief, we have an Operation Barbecue Relief app that you can download at your app store uh, at Operation Barbecue Relief Volunteer. And uh, you can download the app and register there as well. And I think you'll think the app is pretty cool. I will tell you that uh, that app has been sought after by other very well-known organizations. We have an amazing chief technology officer, Jeremy Bruce, developed that app, and uh, there are other major organizations that people have known about for many, many years that uh, have asked us to help develop apps for them, just to let you know how sophisticated the barbecue guys are. Well, that, that's fantastic. I see
1: on your website that you're coming up on three million meals served, which is you know that's just true. that's a fantastic testament to all you guys' hard work, and we certainly appreciate it. I know everybody who's been to a disaster. Uh, I know we. I've been to Sandy, right. um, and I know I've relatives down in Florida going through Dorian. So it, whatever, whatever you can do to have some type of relief, you know it, it's tremendously appreciated it's no
3: doubt and I promise you, we'll, we'll be good stewards of that money mm-hmm. uh, every dollar that is donated during disasters goes 100% to food and and that, and, 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 and that disaster um, we, you know we don't use that towards paying the insurance on our trucks or anything else all, all money donated in disaster goes to feeding people in disasters It's fantastic Dave we did promise you that
2: we would not keep you longer than this so we won't. Even though I have to tell you, I have so many more questions for you. So, can I ask oh. that you would come back with us again, another time? My pleasure. All right. We we I, I really wanted to talk about the restaurants and and more about what you're cooking on and, and just so much more stuff. But we know it's late,
1: and we we thank, we thank you very much your for your time. time. Yes. Thank you for all you do. And everybody else, please go to obr-dot-org. Donate. Take a look at what Operation Barbecue Relief does. It's a fantastic organization. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you very
2: much, Dave. Thanks.
1: So, Len, Operation Barbecue Relief, what a, what an organization. They do great stuff. They great
2: work. I mean, you can't say any more about it because... You could say a lot more about it, but I'm saying the, it's just these guys go out there. Yeah. They go where wherever and they natural to, disaster. And they went to Bermuda now. Mm-hmm. Is it, it Bermuda or Bermuda. no? The,
1: it wasn't Bahamas, the Bahamas. Bahamas.
2: Yeah, they went to the Bahamas. Wherever there's a natural disaster and people need meals, meals. You know, I mean that is, you know, it's such a we take it for granted, of course, but they go out there. These people don't have electricity. They don't have they, they don't have any way to get to the food, even even if you know they who knows? maybe they can't even get money at, at, you know, who knows if the electronics whatever it is, and they just cook them hot meals. it's just great, great organization.
1: great organization. And if you want to uh, say anything about barbecue, uh, operation barbecue, and you want to drop us a line, please do. Our number is five one six eight five five eight two one four. Drop us an email at... Our email address is baseballandbbq at gmail.com. You can tweet us. Our Twitter address is at baseballandbbq. We also have... What's that called? Instagram. Right. Instagram. <laughs> Baseball and barbecue. It's all spelled out. And check out our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Social media. Gotta love it. Yes. All right. So, Jeff. Yeah. You... We, we
2: promised... The uh, the interviews in Cincinnati, so uh, I'd like to give you an intro. Uh, we're going to take this show now to our man on the street. Uh, Jeff Cohen uh, is now in Cincinnati. He is standing outside the ballpark. Jeff, take it away, please.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was in Cincinnati for the Mets and the Reds. I went to two games, Friday night and Saturday. We're not, we're Mets fans, we admit it. And I'm not going to be uh, ashamed of it? No, we. as a matter of fact,
2: we, we say at meetings, I'm a Mets fan, and I have a problem. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so I went to see the Mets in Cincinnati, and I uh, saw so two games they split. Friday the game was great, Saturday the game they lost. But I did speak to some people in the Cincinnati area, and here are some of those interviews that I'm going to play for you right now. I am here with Brian Santos.
0: And Virginia Santos. And
1: they're from Tampa. Yeah. Come to Cincinnati to see the Great American Ballpark. What brings you to town? Um, actually, Oktoberfest. And
0: I work here um, about once a uh, month. But just to enjoy the city. I never get a chance to see the city. So we're going to a game. or see Oktoberfest. We're going to have some beer. It's all going to be good. That sounds that sounds fantastic. It's a great Octoberfest they have going on here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you think your Reds are going to do? Um, hoping better than they have been lately. But I'm just coming to enjoy the Reds. I mean, there's tradition... Going yeah. Into the, uh, the playoffs. Hard. Yeah, we, that's yeah. What we're hoping. but also what's happening is we just want to experience. We love baseball. We just want to experience a good game, and that's what we're hoping. Either Mets or Reds doesn't matter. It's all good. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna help help you move a little harder for the Mets. <laughs> you have that right. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So, uh, that that was a very, very nice couple that I met there. They actually came in from out of town. They weren't from Cincinnati. But I have another one here who are from Cincinnati, so let's take a listen yeah, to this. great. Hi. My name is Jeff Cohen, and you're with? Uh, and you, you are?
3: I'm Gabrielle.
1: I'm Cody. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Obviously Red fans? Yes. yes. How long have you been Red fans for? Uh, whole life. Whole life. Same here. Let me, let me ask you, I was just in the Cincinnati Reds of Hall of Fame Museum. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on, on Pete Rose? We know a little about the gambling. What do you think he uh, should be uh, in, or is, is he still beloved here in, in Cincinnati? It depends who you ask,
0: but I'm, I'm on the train. He should be banned for life. Okay. And I should stay that way. Yeah. All right, interesting. Yeah,
3: just because he's good doesn't mean he's a good person. Right.
0: He so. broke a rule, so he used to pay for
3: it. Yeah. Right. If it was anybody else, whether they were, if they weren't as good as he was, they would have been punished, so. Right. That's our thoughts, at least. Okay. But you could ask someone else, and they'd say the exact opposite.
1: Sure they would. <laughs> Bringing to the today's Reds. Uh, the home run hitter is Suarez. Yeah. How how good has,
0: has he been? Oh, he's been he's been awesome, especially for uh, the trade we gave the Tigers for him. Okay. Traded Alfredo Simon for a six month rental, and he came back to the Reds eventually too. So we pretty much gave up nothing for. Amazing production. Yeah.
1: Wow, yeah, he's doing, he's doing pretty good, isn't yeah, he? Yeah,
0: we're hoping to catch one of his home runs today. I'm
1: hoping to catch Alonzo a couple of home runs too. We've got a good battle there going. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, they do. Well, good luck and thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. Right. And, and it just, j- just so happened that night, I did see Peter Alonzo hit number 50. Number 50, yes, you number did. Number 50, yes. Yeah. You have another All one. Right. so I'm here with Mark Hayes. Mark, how are you? doing good how good. Are you doing all uh, right you've been a lifeline lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan
0: yes sir uh since uh since mid-70s mid-70s so you've seen the big red machine awesome. one of my favorite teams awesome who's your favorite player back then and your current favorite player oh back then it was uh I guess uh, it was it was hard it's hard to pick really but uh probably Joe Morgan Joe Morgan yeah yeah all not bad yeah Suck. Uh, no, no, no! Good, great, great player. huh. I, I guess I liked it because he was so small and he was able to do so much. Right. And uh, just all around player, great defense, great, great bat, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and today's
1: uh, players?
0: Uh, today, Yeah, today's players. Uh, uh well, uh, I I really like Sonny Gray. Okay. Um, didn't do well in New York, but it's no, you pretty good for no, Cincinnati. Yeah, that's good. And he's a Nashville boy, and so uh-huh. and I'm from Nashville. Okay, came up for the game, so uh-huh. uh, follow follow him pretty strong. Uh, but you know, still like uh, still like uh, Suarez. He's uh, done awesome for us. Of course, Joey Votto, but uh, yeah, just. Uh, you know, not not really not really one uh, particular one. You know, t- with today's players, but uh, right. So they
1: having an off year this year.
0: Uh, yeah. What do you think they need to do to get back into it for next season? Well, they need to improve their bullpen, and uh, they need to get they need to get a couple of setup men that they can really count on for the seventh and eighth innings. Um, Need to get some confidence in their closer. He's good. We like him. Okay. So uh, we're big Iglesias fans, but uh, we just want him to have a bounce back year next year. Uh, they need to win one run games. Right. And uh, don't start the season one and eight. That will help.
1: That would help. Look, I'm hoping Diaz helps uh, have a bounce back year because he really uh, didn't do too well for the Mets this year and. And that's a fight for a wild card. Uh, so Suarez has a breakout here. Who knew he can hit so many home runs? Yeah, tonight.
0: Uh, tonight, if he can hit, if he can hit a home run tonight or sometime before the end of the season, uh, he'll be the National League's all-time uh, single-season home run leader in uh, National League history. Wow. And that's that'll be over Mike Schmidt. Wow. Oh. That's pretty good. Pretty big. Yes. Well, I want to
1: thank you for your time and awesome. the game tonight. Awesome. Thank all right, you. Thank you. Take care. So he said most single season all time for third baseman over Mike Schmidt, which is actually uh, quite amazing. Yeah. You know, Mike yeah. Schmidt was a uh, you know obviously MVP and 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 whole famer. That's a thin air. That is He's thin air. Definitely in thin air. Okay, I got a couple more here. Hi, I'm here with Rick Taylor. Taylor. Ashley Taylor. Hello, and thanks for letting me come to the uh, American ballpark. Well, I mean, uh, I'm the enemy here. you fan, huh? Yeah, so uh, what about the Reds this year? Yeah, they started off
0: with some hope, but they just kind of faded down the uh, stretch here. Uh-huh. So we're excited, though, because they're doing better than last year. Uh, okay. so I got some promise for next year. Who's your favorite player? Uh, probably
3: Votto.
1: Votto? Yeah. And yours? Uh, Vado 2 yeah. Tell me, it's the first time I'm, I'm here at Great American Popo What's the best place to eat? I heard Skyline Chili
0: is supposed to be out of it. Skyline Chili is awesome for like the moderate price food But if you want to eat the best price food There's a place down the river called the Montgomery and Boathouse uh-huh. It's got the best ribs in town So
1: it's awesome Barbecue
0: ribs? Yeah, oh yeah Oh, yep. that's fantastic Yeah, it's awesome Alright, well thank you for
3: your time Yeah, thank Appreciate you it.
1: Good to meet you Thanks So Len, barbecue He's talking about the barbecue Yeah, the Taylors Yeah, yeah How about that? Did you have any while you were there? Uh, no, I did not. Skyline Chili? You know what? I, I did not have the Skyline Chili. What did you eat? You know what? Uh, before we went to the game, we went to a, a restaurant. It was a Saturday with the 7-Line, some type of sandwich at, at the bar with a beer. And, and So I wasn't really hungry at the game, so I didn't, didn't want to force myself to have a, a Skyline Chili, but... I did buy a can of it, so I'm going to try it one of these days. Oh,
2: a can of Skyline Chili. <laughs> Jill- I don't know if it's anything like that. Meat in a can. Meat in
1: a can. <laughs> so, that doesn't need refrigeration. No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and I got one last one here. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, great. So well, I'm here with Craig and Caden. And you came always to say you from the Mets, right? Yeah, Mets. I like the Mets yeah. All right. Let's go Mets. All right. Uh, what are you up here playing now? I like Peter Lonzo. Peter Lonzo, now. yeah, he's yeah. pretty good, huh? Yeah. 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 how do you think the season's going so far? Uh, it's, it's been pretty well. Hopefully we'll make a playoff push right now and get the wild card. Uh-huh. Any changes you see for next season? Because uh, who knows if they're going to make it this year. I'm sorry. Any changes you foresee for next season? I mean, with Diaz and all that? Uh yeah, probably at the, at the bullpen. Now uh, if, if they'll be coming out of the bullpen next year. We'll my make, make some changes. Have you been to any other stadiums?
3: Uh yeah, this is my seventh stadium. Really? Yeah.
1: Which other ones have
3: you been at? I've been to the um. I've been to Fenway. I've been well, I've been to Yankee Stadium, City Field. I've been to uh, Philadelphia. What
0: Philadelphia?
1: That was, was a cute kid. We uh, talked about. Uh, yeah, he he he's the one. He went to Seven Line also. Oh, nice! And he's yeah. been to seven stadiums. Seven stadiums. Wow, yes. that's pretty good. How old was he? I would say about ten. Wow. 10 or eleven.
2: That's not yeah. bad. Seven stadiums. The, yeah,
1: dad's been a good guy. You know. Yeah. Way to go, dad. Yeah. <laughs>
2: very good interviews, Jeff. You. I think you have a career as a uh, as an interviewer.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. All right now. Let's, uh,
2: we we got to keep our promises. We promised you guys that we would have a, uh, a recipe from uh, an otherworldly recipe. We have listeners from other parts of the world and we greatly appreciate that. I think we need to uh, maybe add a little international flair to this podcast. An international flavor. Let's put it that way. So... We're going to reach into our book, which tonight we're going to use Stephen Reichland's Planet Barbecue. And we are going to tell you guys a recipe from a another uh, country. Okay. All right, Jeff. So we're going to honor our neighbors to the north. Do you know where that
1: is? Uh, that'd be Kanada. Ah! Eh! Eh! Eh, mate. Uh, mate. <laughs> no that's australia <laughs> no that's down under to we'll, north is canada
2: yeah we'll do we'll do that on another episode but this one is about okay. we're going to talk about okay all right about a recipe um no actually and i'm not that that's a terrible canadian accent i know though. but let's tell you about this recipe okay canadian trout grilled on a log so again this is from Stephen reichlin's book planet barbecue okay It's on page 471, so if you get this book, uh, you can buy this on Amazon, get it from your local library, you know, whatever. This is a fantastic book. We're going to consult with this book on numerous occasions, but here we go. Canadian trout grilled on a log. This is what he writes. This, Canada's answer to planked salmon, began a long time ago with a very long drive, 40 miles on a single-lane gravel road. The destination was a lake called Marie-Louis in, in the Laurentian wilderness north of Montreal. The ritual was always the same. Remembers my French-Canadian editor and friend, Pierre Bourdon. My grandfather would stash a few beers in the lake to chill, wedging the bottles under the water with a log. We'd fish all afternoon, then to warm us up. Grand Père would build a fire... He'd drink the beer and lay the fish fillets for us kids on the wet log. He'd open a little bag of salt and pepper brought for the purpose of seasoning the fish. From one pocket he'd produce a lemon, from the other an onion, and he'd slice these ingredients over the fish using an old penknife. Thus seasoned, the fish would be placed on its log on the fire, where the smoke and steam from the wood would work their magic. I've since had cedar plank salmon, Not to mention all manner of seafood cooked on a plancha in Spain. But I can tell you this. Nothing comes close to my grandfather's trout grilled on a log. Served with what else? Canadian beer. Alright, so here we go. Here's the recipe. One whole rainbow trout, about two pounds. This says clean, scaled, and fins removed with head and tail intact. Or one pound of trout fillets coarse sea salt and freshly freshly ground black pepper, one medium-sized onion, thinly sliced crosswise, one lemon, thinly sliced crosswise. Remove any seeds with a fork. One to two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil or unsalted butter. Optional, not part of his grandfather's repertory, but Pierre uses it today. Okay, you'll also need one maple, oak, or other hardwood log, three to four inches in diameter and 16 to 20 inches long soaked in a tub of cold water for two hours then drained well it says try to pick a log that's straight and slightly flat on one side it's okay to use a split log put the fish on the split side I don't know where where I would find that but okay and then you soak the log okay it Says set up the grill for direct grilling preheat it to high Ideally, you'll build a wood fire and let it burn until you have a good hot bed of embers. Or you could set up a charcoal grill for grilling in the embers. I would definitely get this book and get this recipe because I don't know if you're actually getting it from what I'm reading. But it says, Generously season the inside and outside of the whole trout with salt and pepper and place a few onion and lemon slices in the cavity. Place the trout on the log and arrange the remaining onion and lemon slices on top alternating and overlapping them. If if you're using trout fillets, season them with salt and pepper on both sides. Place the fillets on the log and arrange the onion and lemon slices on top of the fillets. Season the trout with more salt and pepper. If you're so inclined, drizzle some olive oil on top or top the fish with thin slices of butter. Place the log with the trout on top in the fire directly on the embers of a charcoal grill or on the hot grate of a gas grill. If you're using a gas grill, cover it. Cook the trout until it's sizzling and browned. 30 to 50 minutes for a whole trout. 15 to 20 minutes for trout fillets. If cooking a large fish, you may need to turn it with a long-handled spatula to make sure both sides cook. To check for doneness on a whole fish, insert a paring knife in the deepest part of the flesh above the backbone. When done, the flesh will come cleanly away from the bone. When done the fish fillets will break into firm flakes when pressed with a finger. Sounds like a fun recipe to make. Probably a little difficult, but I guess if you have if if you have all the right tools and everything, probably not so bad, right? Well yeah, I can't wait for you to make it for me. <laughs> this might be one you might be waiting a while for this oh, one. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I have made cedar plank salmon. Uh huh. Okay? so yeah, but they're is... making cedar plank salmon. This is, come on, you
1: need a challenge. Yeah, you can this do is... this. Yeah, I just have to find the wood and That's the problem. And fish. You've got no yeah. Yeah. Right. You to go fishing. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've got to go fishing. But
2: maybe in Canada uh, you can find this uh, fish uh, easier fishing. I don't know. All right. But thank you to our Canadian listeners. We will be Honoring other countries uh, with recipes in the coming episodes, but we just wanted to say thank you to all our listeners, and we definitely get some listeners from Canada, so thank right, you.
1: Right, and I want to get into baseball now. Back to baseball. Come on, this is the baseball and barbecue bar- yeah. b- podcast. Right, and we did a lot of barbecue today. I'm in the mo- it's, it's, it's the season, it's getting to be, uh, you know, playoff season. Playoff Fever. Season's almost over.
2: Playoff Fever. By time the time you Fever?
1: actually listen to this, the season might be
2: over. <laughs> well, it's been over for some teams well, for that's, quite that's some true. time.
1: But the playoffs start, you know, uh, first week in October. And this podcast is dropping on the 29th of September or 28th of September. So right. it, it's pretty right. close. Anyway, so you promised the Hall of Fame of the day. I did, and we always keep our promises, don't we? Yes, And so, we're going to talk about this Hall of Famer, who I think should not be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, boy. But, you know, he (laughs) is. And that is one Joseph Paul
2: Torrey. And let's just say, Jeff just said he doesn't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. There's got to be some of you listening right now who are incensed by that. And I dare you, I dare you to write us, call us. I, whatever, and let us know that you are not happy with that.
1: Oh come on, he just got into all fame because he managed a very good club. Listen, the, the Yankees were great during those, the, when he was manager, but anybody could manage those clubs. Oof. You know? Oof. Oh wow. You know anybody? Wow. Could manage. Oh, come on, you have David Cone pitching. You had Roger Clemens pitching, even though he was on the uh, he was on the theroids. The right. you had yeah, uh, Andy, and Andy Pettit. Pettit who was, you know, I'm, he was a, one of my favorite uh, Yankees. Right. I mean, unfortunately, he did, did the uh, HGH. He had that stain on him. Uh, you had Mariano. Mariano. The great
2: The great Mariano. Mariano who
1: could only pitch one inning. You know, 15 <laughs> pitches every, every other day. So, come on. Wait. Uh, uh, so, wait, he was a very...
2: Wait. wait uh, I'm sorry. Is this a roast of Joe Torre, or are we saluting
1: a Hall of Famer? Well, when? You know, Joe Torre is in the Hall of Fame. You know why? Because he has more postseason victories, 84, than any man in big league history. I mean, he has the most, so he's got to be in the Hall of Fame. All right, so we know more, that that's... More the, that's than uh, Joe McCarthy. More more than Miller Huggins. More than Casey Stengel. More than Walter Alston. He has more than anybody. Right, well, we know that that's... Okay, so that's a
2: stat we know is a... Uh, um, Helped of course by the fact that they play much uh, they play many more playoff games now than they ever did before. We know that. But okay. But that's not what it says here. He says the most postseason victories. All right, but but let's salute the man because he first of all, as a player, he was a borderline hall of famer. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. The problem with the okay. The problem with a manager who has great teams. Is when he has great players, he's expected to win. If he doesn't win, it's bad. But if he does win, he's expected to. And so it, he's in a no-win situation. Yeah, I know. Okay. Why don't we, Jeff? Why don't you read Joe Tory's plaque to us, please? You want me to read it? That's your job. I, I know, but I just read you a recipe. So we're going to switch things up. Oh yeah. Okay. Read me his plaque.
1: All right. Joseph Paul Tory. Joe, New York NL 1977 to 1981, Atlanta NL 1982-1984, St. Louis NL 1990 to 1995, New York AL 1996 to 2007, Los Angeles NL 2008 to 2010. I'm gonna stop right there. Obviously, this is just his managerial record because he played with a player in the 70s and 80s. Right. Yes. He was a player-manager with the Mets. Let's let's go back. Not the 80s, the 70s. Right. He 60s was a, 16, wait, 16 and 70s. Yes, his first managerial role was as a player-manager with the Mets. Right. Okay, back to his plaque. A beacon of serenity and stature in the dugout. He probably went, serenity now! But that's another story. Won 2,326 games. Fifth most all-time. Managing in five decades. Led... Led the Yankees to postseason each of his 12 seasons at the helm, winning 10 division titles, 6 AL pennants, and World Series crowns in 1996, 1998, 1999, and 2000. Also piloted Braves to postseasons in 1982 and Dodgers in 2008 2009. Won AL Manager of the Year Awards in 1996 and 1998. In 18 seasons as a player, hit 297 as a nine time All Star. And the 1971 Most Valuable Player. Now, let me just say this. He was a great manager with the Yankees. Because anybody could have been a great manager with the Yankees at that time. He did manage the Dodgers. The Dodgers were very good. and He did take them to the playoffs. But, New York NL, he stunk. True. The Braves, okay, he took the Braves to to uh, the playoffs. But mainly, he wasn't, well, wasn't very good. St. Louis, he didn't do very well either. But he went to the Yankees. And he did great. And his his Hall of Fame induction is kind of parallel to what I was telling you before about uh, you know Casey Stengel, because Casey Stengel he managed teams before the Yankees. Yes. And he was not very good. They Ooh. had losing records. Mm-hmm. Gets to the Yankees. Guess what? He's a genius. Yes. Then he managed the Mets. Not so much. You know, he managed the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Boston Braves, and then he went to the Yankees, and and, and it was fantastic. I think Warren Spahn actually played for him twice, when he was with the uh, Boston Braves and the New York Mets. He famously said he was he got to play for for Casey Stengel before he was a genius, and after when he was a genius. <laughs> but mainly, come on, being a manager really is all about the players. If you have the great players, great players make great managers. Okay. Again, he is a Hall of Famer.
2: I feel that he should be in there.
1: Does every, every manager who wins the World Series go be a Bill Hall of Famer?
2: No. 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 Of course not. Every manager that wins the. Hall, no, the World Series should not be in the Hall of Fame. I think you have to more than one World Series. Some people would argue that you need to do it with a couple of different teams. I don't know. But I think what he did with the Yankees was very special. I do, okay. and maybe, maybe he right place, right time. I don't know. Um, look, why is he? Why was he manager of the Yankees? Right, Steinbrenner. Yeah, right? George Steinbrenner brought him in to be
1: manager. of Actually, the Yankees. Actually, it was Arthur Richmond who suggested it to George Steinbrenner. Okay, and New York papers pan that they go clueless Joe and but turned uh-huh. out right. Okay, but remember well, the manager before Joe Torre, Buck Showalter, who took him to the precipice. Yes, playoffs. Yes. And then that team, Joe Toy, took over the line. Yes. And now that happened to uh, Buck Showalter a couple of times. He took the Diamondbacks to you know a, a yes he did managed them for three years from the very uh, from the from when the franchise started. Then he was let go, and then and, uh, I think Bob Brenly took him next year to the World Series and won. He also did with the uh, Rangers, where he took him to a, a place where they didn't make the playoffs, but the following year, Ron Washington took a, his his team to the playoffs a couple times. So Buck Schulter takes a team right before they get to the playoffs. They fire him, and guess what? The next manager takes them to the World Series. So
2: they made for a good tag team, I guess.
1: I, I guess that, so. That's what they were. But he, right place, right
2: time, okay? Had great players, yes. Would those players have become great without him? Yeah, probably. He definitely... Uh, knew how to manage these these players maybe maybe the experience that he had these other teams uh, you know definitely you know helped him he learned from it you know you you have that a lot you have that in football when you have uh coaches who may have been terrible with one team they go to another team they use the experience and they become different they become a different manager uh, a
1: different you know a different coach Same thing here. Okay, well, let's see what Scott Brocious had to say. Okay. Quote, he's a great manager. There's no more to managing. I'm sorry. There is more to managing than who to pitch and play. It's managing people, the press, and Joe does all that great. Players follow the tone set by the manager, and Joe is a calming calming influence on the team. That's by Scott Brocious. Let me tell you a short uh, Joe Torre story, if you don't mind. I would love to hear it. 1984, me, Jeff Cohen, was an intern for the New York Mets. One of my jobs, I had to call down to the visiting dugout, visiting manager's office and get the lineup. And I saw it would play the Braves. Joe Torrey was the manager. I said, Hi, hi, Mr. Torrey. I "I was very nice. I said, My name is Jeff. I'm in the public relations department. Do you have your lineup available? And he goes to me, I'll give you my effing lineup up but I'm good and ready to give my effing lineup. up You know, don't call me, I'll give you my... You know, he, he cursed me out. Wow. I'm not a Joe Torre fan. Yeah. Well, now, okay. So now...
2: Ah! You should be, like, on the couch. Now We got to the root of the issue, the problem. Now, it underst- I understand now. I... I understand so it is an underlying issue with the way you were treated by him I understand <laughs> that is why I I am so glad we got to the bottom of this
1: <laughs> this is
2: why and I am sure that it stems from your mother and of course Joe Tori. and that is the problem <laughs> <laughs> not my mother mainly Joe Tory <laughs> <laughs> they always they always blame the mother so, so but no in this case you're right it's Joe Tori. okay understood he's a big jerk (laughs) all right well anyway he is our hall of famer of the day and now we better hear from you because i know as i said before there is somebody out there somebody listening who's like what the who is this jeff cohen i used to like him and
1: respect him well you know everyone's entitled to their opinion yeah well you know what And speaking about opinions, I I gotta say something. I gotta maybe uh, say a little rant. Oh, wait a minute! What? Wait a minute! What's what's happening? Baseball
3: Uh, Rant!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, Len, and and we make no no bones about it. We are Mets fans. We (laughs) make no apologies. That's just the way we are. This is not a Mets broadcast, Mets podcast. You want to listen to a great Mets podcast, you listen to Mets music with Gary Mack. Gary Mack. But this is not a Mets podcast, but we are Mets fans, and this is uh, the end of the season for the Mets. They did not make the playoffs, and, you know, I've been seeing a lot of things on Twitter and Facebook and people tweeting me and, and texting me, like, and these are these Yankee fans. I, I, I think there's more Yankee fans out there. Now... Not all of them, a faction of them, a, a little percentage of them, who really lose for more for the Mets to lose than the Yankees to win. They get more joy seeing the Mets lose than the Yankees win. I don't understand it. What is with these people? They, they, they do Twitter. They say, oh, the Mets stink. You know, all oh, the Yankees are so much better. Well, you know what? country on the Yankees. You want you, your Yankee fan? The Yankees are going to play off. They're going to have a great year. They won 100 games. God bless them. They're doing great. You know, I hope they lose the World Series. <laughs> I won't be rooting for them. But you know what? what but I don't understand why Yankee fans, now I'm not saying all of them, just some of them, get more joy out of Mets losing than their own team winning. You should see some of these texts I get. I'm not going to repeat them here, but the, but you can see it on Twitter. You can see it on, on Facebook, on these Mets there's actually um, there's a group on on Facebook called Mets Yankee Rivalry, and they, people are vicious on there. They just can't root for their team. They have to put down the other team. What is wrong with these people? And if you have a problem with me, and if you don't, if you disagree with me, give us a call 516-855-8214. Email us baseball and bbq at gmail.com. or leave a comment on our Facebook page. Yes, we I I know we're
2: going to hear from you. I know they were going to hear from you. But you know what? Jeff's entitled to his opinion. If you don't like his opinion, you let us know or get your own podcast. But either way, again, we thank you for listening and hopefully you still are.
0: (laughs) You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land
2: of both shadow and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into... Baseball and BBQ Zone. And this has definitely been a Baseball and BBQ Zone episode. I I love it. I love it. Guys, don't forget. The Monolith Monster Fest coming up October 12th. From 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. In Mormons, Pennsylvania. We will see you there. Ready to sign autographs. Take selfies. And we can't wait. See you next time.